to the vibes. Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. We send our apologies. You know, usually we have an episode every day. This week, Monday, I was traveling. Yesterday, BJ was traveling. So our schedule's been a little disrupted. But uh, BJ, how was your trip? I'm always available, Mo. I, I tell uh, you that. I always, uh, I'm always available. Mo was traveling. Hey, hey. They ain't gonna wipe hey, out those Mo, planes. Don't Mo, lie to me. Mo. Oh, I, I can't, forget. You I got can't, the private jet. I forget. Hey, I forget. I, I forget. I, hey, Mo. You, I forget. I'm always available. I got I 24 hours in the day. That's I'm Mo. on the private jet line. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't have a private. I don't we do see. private. You know yeah, 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 yeah. I we keep it private, humble. We keep it humble. We keep it humble. Yeah, it's 2.30 in the morning. Don't tell me about 24 hours. So what's going on out here in the NBA? What you got? What you All right, got? well, well the, the, the people, the people are saying they need to hear the podcast about this situation in Brooklyn. So we're going to start right there. Steve okay. Nash, KD finally got his wish. Steve Nash was fired. Okay. And it looks like Ime Doka is going to come in and take the reins. Now, okay. Peter, what do you think about this firing of Steve Nash? Would you have not thought this would be better to do before training camp so the new coach can come in and get their stuff sorted rather than coming off a win in the middle of the season. Well, not in the middle of the season, but, you know, once the games have started. Well, I think with everything that is going on there in Brooklyn, they've really been, you know, kind of taking a wait-and-see approach, right? And when... Steve Nash, Coach Nash came there. I don't think anyone anticipated or expected him to be the next head coach. And, I mean, Katie and Kyrie demanded it. Right. Well, you know, reportedly, allegedly, that's okay. what was said. And whatever the case may be, he's there. And he was there. And they've had some ups and downs. <laughs> How do we want to say this politely? They've had downs. Where you, I don't they, know what they've the ups had a, Well, they may, you know, the they first had a half of the regular you know, season they, they last won. year, and I guess the yeah, season they, had a, they, be, they got a playoff series. They, what, they won at least one playoff series, I can recall. <laughs> one playoff <laughs> series. <laughs> and, you know, they had some injuries. It's had some, some things, but clearly they didn't meet the expectations. Now, what is going on there? When you have situations or scenarios like this, we've seen this movie how many times? The the first person to go or the first person to blame is always the coach. We just saw it last year with Frank Vogel. I'm sure we'll see another one at some point during this season. When your expectations are high, and certainly this team had very high expectations, and they're not met, this is what happens. Now, who's next? Well, then you start looking at the executive's then you start looking at trading players, so forth and so on. So they, they're making this change. We'll see what this change is going to do. They're quite familiar with, you know, you know, you know, the coach they've, you know, at least what we're hearing is going to be the next head coach there. You know, they work together. Some of them worked with him in San Antonio. He was ben the assistant Simmons coach had him there. In Philly. He had him he in there the in Philly. In and Brooklyn. Now, and now he's here in Brooklyn. Now he's back in Brooklyn after doing a terrific job there in Boston on the court. So we'll see how this plays out. You know, it's it's a lot to unpack. We could literally spend the next five hours talking about this. Everything <laughs> is going on. But it is what it is. And you've heard me say this. This is a very dysfunctional. 
and ran by dysfunctional people. <laughs> this is a very this. That's your favorite saying. Yeah, it is, because that's what it is, right? And unless you can function in this type of environment, this isn't the league for you. I mean, you, how do you even explain this? I mean, I've watched this. I was at an NBA game last night mm-hmm. and I spoke to those executives and they were just like, what is going on? We just kind of looked at each other like, what is going on? And no one can explain this. I mean, this is like one of those moments where you'd be like, remember this? And when you say you've seen it all, well, you haven't seen anything. I'm sure there'll be something else we'll be talking about that will be just as bizarre that we, you know, what we've seen here in the last, what, 24 hours there in Brooklyn. Well, what do you make of them picking Udoka? Because the Celtics have said, you know, he's obviously done something. Now, we don't know the facts. We don't like to talk about facts, but, you know, the Celtics have said, whatever he's done, we don't want him coaching our team this season. The Nets have said, we don't care what he's done. Come and coach us. So the details haven't really come out. You know, according to Nets Daily yesterday, they said, which was weird, the Nets Daily reported yesterday, the day they said that he was being hired, Ime Odoka had repeatedly sent inappropriate messages to women on the Celtic staff, which, of course, is not appropriate behavior and uh, should be condemned. But no one really knows what's happened. I imagine we might find out some details now that he's going to be off the Celtics. Um, But the Nets going straight in with that hire Eyebrow raising, to say the least. Well, I think you 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 hit it. You know, you hit the nail right on the head here when you said no one knows the facts. Like, unless you know something more, I don't know. I still don't know. No one does. Or it's never what happened. Is so you know, so. Matt Barnes said that Emir Oka would never coach in the NBA again after he heard apparently what had happened, and here he is coaching. A star-sided Brooklyn team. So no one knows. So that's clear. So let's make that, let's make that factual point that our audience and everyone needs to know. No one knows other than the Celtics, the people involved, obviously, and Coach Udoka. The private law firm that came in to investigate. Yeah. Yes. Okay. In saying that, how, how are we in the media supposed to give a view or opinion about something we don't know the facts to. We don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't know. So based on what we do know, okay, clearly, <laughs> based on what we know, the Nets feel that they can move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, they the Nets said... Clearly, they've done their due diligence. Clearly, they've done all their background checking. Clearly, <laughs> they know something the rest of us don't know, or at least... Or they you know, just don't know anything either, and they've just said, we don't care, we want him to coach yeah, us. Exactly. So what, what, can, what can we say other than now we can start giving our opinions based on what we think happened? So we don't know what happened, or at least I don't know. Aside from all that stuff, let's keep it on the court. What do you expect from this Udoga team if he does take the reins? I'm anticipating that he starts doing what he did in Boston, and that is improve them on a defensive end, but also he's not afraid to call out players publicly. 
He called out the Celtics publicly a number of times. How do you think that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in particular would respond to a coach that would call them out publicly? Because Steve Nash clearly did not do that. Well, the one thing I, I, I've learned as a parent is everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Everyone's different. You know, Marcus Smart is a is cut a little different than Kyrie Irving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Jalen Brown's a little different than, you know, you know, what, what is it? Curry kid, you know. Seth Curry. Uh, Seth Curry. Everyone's a little different. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how this is going to play out. He's coming in now, not midseason, but it's early in the season. He has to have time to implement the way he plays, the way he defends, his offensive schemes, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. Now, the things that we can see now are he's going to call them out in the media. We could see the coaching, but you know, more he missed the whole month of training camp. I'm sure he was watching. He missed, yeah, I'm sure he's watching, but you're not there every day. He didn't get a chance to bond with these guys in the offseason. He hasn't given them the expectations, what he expects. And then realistically, after doing all those things, other than the media's expectation based on, you know, you have two high-level performers in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, what's the realistic expectation of this team? I mean, you, you, we, we could keep saying Kyrie and, and Kevin, but it takes a team. And right now, they haven't figured that out. So, all right, that sounds good. You can call people out, but that doesn't mean that those people are going to respond. Yeah. You have to be able to push the buttons of the team that you're coaching. Now, it's clear to me his coaching method is he's very straightforward. He's no nonsense. And he demands guys play hard, play defense. Well, he's missed that window of opportunity because he can't coach these guys with the expectation in practice, in the summer, building those relationships and just come in 10 games into the season and be like, hey, I'm here and I'll call you out tomorrow in the New York Daily News. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. Okay. That's not happening. Okay. All right. But what is going to happen is I think over time, I think he can get a fair evaluation. I think those guys can kind of learn his personality and see if it's a good fit. And if it's not a good fit, then you got to get the players that's going to fit his personality because every coach has to have a, you know, you, you, you got to, you have to find the players that fit the system that in which your coach is strongest at. And that was a good fit for the Boston Celtics and his personality. And we don't know if this is a good fit for him because he's a, he's a defensive oriented coach and, and not in comparing players, they both give to the game what they give to the game. But Marcus smart fits coach Idoka's personality more than Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. That's just a fact. Yeah. That's just a fact. Yeah. All right. I mean, that, that's no, it, it, it's not, I'm not trying to make Kyrie into a defensive player and I'm not trying to make Marcus into an offensive player, but coach Idoka, that's, that's who fits his personality. That's what he, he's a, he's a grinder. He likes to grind and second effort and diving mm -hmm. on the floor and, and, and Al Horford and, and the time Lord, those type of players, what's, what's your guy's name? Rob Williams. You know what I mean? I think Claxton will do well with the Doka coaching. 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe Claxton fits in that. Okay. But I don't see Rob Williams. I don't see those other guys, at least not yet. Maybe they're there, and I just don't see them yet. So we'll see how this plays out. Well, speaking of uh, Rob Williams, uh, he's obviously missing time for the Celtics, and the Celtics have just lost a pair of games to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I want to talk about for a hot minute here because the Cleveland Cavaliers look all types of nice right now. Garland has returned from his eye injury. He's only played two games with Donovan Mitchell, and they already look like they've got instant chemistry. They've got elite defenders, Mobley and Allen. Karis LeVert came off the bench. Uh, Karis LeVert came off and played great in that first win against the Celtics. So, you know, I like what the Cavs are doing. What have you seen so far that's really impressed you? Well, in the early part of the season, you know, this kid, Donovan Mitchell, has looked like a star. Okay. It's, it's early. Yeah. But more in the first seven, eight games, he's looked like a true star, first of all. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's, he, He's made some big plays, and right now that trade that they made for him is looking real good. Unlike <laughs> okay. unlike the other trade the Chaz made for Rudy Gobert and the Timbles, which we'll talk yeah. about soon. But right now, Donovan but, Mitchell looks real good. I, I, I gotta jump in here because you guys know, you guys listening to this show know how much I used to laugh about Donovan Mitchell and his lack of effort on the defensive side. But since he joined the Cavaliers, I don't know whether it's the hype of joining a new team or whether this is really going to be him because in Utah, no one played defense except for one guy. He's really locked in on the defensive end as well as the offensive end. So maybe it's because he doesn't have to carry like 99% of the offensive load. But salute to Donovan Mitchell because he's been really locked in on defense, making the effort plays. Well, you, you know... Every team is different. That's why you make these trades. Every team makes trades based on they think, well, if I get player X, you know, the coaches think, you know, my system or the players or the personnel. Now, in his defense, they play what's called a funnel defense. They just funneled everything to Rudy. Okay. Everything was funneled towards Rudy. Rudy is a phenomenal, you know, rim protector. And clearly they were doing something, right? They they had a really good regular season record. Mm-hmm. One year they had the best record in the league. Mm-hmm. However, you know, you can debate whether that style was best in the regular season as compared to the postseason. You can debate all that. Now they have a different system. And he not only has one, he, but he has two rim protectors back there. Elite yep. rim protectors and Evan Mobley and the uh what's the what's the other kid? Jared um, Allen. Jared Allen, yeah back there so with those two back there and his ability to play the point now you've heard me say this mo how many times now i've always thought donovan mitchell was a point guard why because donovan mitchell is good of an athlete or as great of an athlete that he is at his size he's still only six two six three max and that's being generous yeah and that's been generous we, we met him in real life that's being generous yeah yeah, yeah. now he has played the point guard in this terrific start of the season because of the injury to Darius Garland. Now, tonight he went back to the two-guard position. Garland stepped in 29 and 11. Amazing performance. Yeah, I, he didn't miss a beat. That's, that's what I'm saying. He didn't miss a beat. And now you put those two. You know what I really like is that when Darius Garland comes off the floor, they put Donovan. They put the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hand. I think Donovan Mitchell, and I'm just going to say it for the last time, I think he is a two-guard. I mean a point guard. I really yeah. do. I, because he's 
Now your team gets he think about this. They have a small backcourt when those two play together. Uh-huh. But then when Donovan Mitchell plays the point guard, now they go to a big team. Because how many how many point guards are big enough to guard Donovan Mitchell? Mm-hmm. Because of his size. I mean, he's got good size. But I mean, like, like Garland's not exactly taking minutes off and being on the bench. They're gonna play about the same amount of minutes. Exactly. But I like the fact that you have you always have one or both on the floor for 48 minutes. I think that's terrific because now when you bring off Kevin Love, now when you have Mobley, you can slide him to the center position. I just think they have a really, really good team. And in and, this early part of the season, they showed you that, you know, they have a lot of potential. Now there's a lot of basketball to be played, but I really like what this group is doing. Mm-hmm. Well, on the other hand, you know, we talk about the trade for Donovan Mitchell. But what do you think about a trade for Rudy Gobert? Because the things in Minnesota ain't looking as great. Ooh. I thought they could have a good regular season, but it's not looking like that. So, you know, what, what do you make of that situation going on in Minnesota? Do you think they're going to be able to figure it out? Or do you think, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a little bit tricky? Well, I think they're going to try. Okay, that's the first thing. I think they are committed to trying to see if this can work out. However, in looking at this group, I think it's very, very difficult to play with two seven-footers in today's game, especially during the regular season. Well, I mean, we were just talking about Cleveland, who are playing successfully with two seven-footers. Yeah, but those those guys are different. Their mobility is a little different than the mobility of uh, uh, Rudy Gobert and, and, and Carl Anthony Towns. Yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> the one kid, Mobley, was playing the small forward last year, okay, and Jared Allen... He's a very mobile guy who you can switch out and he can, he can, you know, for two or three dribbles, he's not just an easy blow by mm-hmm. as far as if he's, if he switches out on the perimeter. So I, I think Carl Anthony Towns and, and, and Rudy Gobert, I think that's very challenging for the defense. When you play those guys together, Rudy Gobert is not a, a pick and pop type of center. Like what you're seeing now that's been very successful for the Utah Jazz, where they have two, you know, have a four and, and five marketing Olenek, who can spread the floor so you can allow your penetrators or your ball handlers to drive to the basket. That's not Rudy Gobert's game. And where you want to have Carl Anthony Towns, in my opinion, where he's most effective is a stretch five. That's where he's most effective. So I think the the spacing is a little off when you watch them on the offensive end and defensively, they can't ever get into rotation because you can't put Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on the same side of the floor and, and, and think those guys are going to defend small, quick point guards or ball handlers when those guys are, you know, on the yeah. same side. And, I, think and then on I, offense, I don't think it's realistic on, on offense. How do you working? Cause there was this thing that came out today about anti Edwards, not having dunked yet this season. And of course we know anti Edwards is one of the best dunkers in the NBA. And obviously it's tough. Now they've got some bigs clogging up the paint. So he's obviously got less driving lanes to be able to go in there and do what he wants to do. I think the offense would be helped if they had a point guard who was more of a pure playmaker rather than a D'Angelo Russell, who's more of a, creating his own shot type guy. Do you think that would make a difference to how this team plays on the offensive side of the ball, having a point guard? What, what, no, with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert playing, no, I don't. And the reason being is because, one, you can't play fast enough. 
you know, you, you hear me talk about this with, with, with Philly. Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns together, you can't play fast enough. You can't ask Rudy Gobert to set a screen at, the, at, at, let's say, the top of the key and pop. There's no place for him to go other than roll. Yeah. And if he's not rolling, he has to be in a dunker spot. Yeah. That, that's just what it is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. now, if you have Rudy Gobert and he's the only guy, now you can put other four players around him and then you can open up the game according to matchups, so forth and so on. Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, now you have, you just got to take away something because Rudy Gobert could only do so much. Rudy Gobert can't create offense for himself. Carl Anthony Towns is a seven-footer, right? I watched Carl Anthony Towns last night play against Cam Johnson. Mm -hmm. And I kept asking myself, okay, if you're going to play, allow him to play the four position, Cam Johnson is, is a starting four now. You got to post him up. Yeah. But if you post him up, where are you going to put Rudy Gobert? Yeah. He can only go to the dunker spot. And there's only so many okay. minutes that you can stagger them for because they both command big minutes being stars, all star caliber players. So it's just a spacing thing for those guys. And Carl Anthony Towns is a space. I mean, he, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a, a space five guy now, you know what I mean? He, he needs space to pick and pop, create space for those guys, allow the guys to dribble drive and tack the rim and throw it out there. If the five decides to help. But other than that, I don't think this can work. I don't think it can work because of the way the game is played, not because they're not good players. I just think the way the game is played, mm-hmm. I think it's just too fast for those guys to mm-hmm. do it on a consistent basis. Well, that trade is looking worse by the day. So hopefully they can figure it out. Hopefully the Knicks can figure a few things out. Did you see they were up 23 in the second quarter and went down Ooh. 15 by the end of the third Ooh. against the Atlanta Hawks? Shout out to Hawks. They're looking nice. DeJounte Murray is fitting right at home in Atlanta. So, right. uh, you know, there's a few teams. It's too early in the season. There's a few teams that are still figuring things out. But, uh, you know, the NBA is a crazy place and it's only going to get crazier. So we're going to be watching with an eager eye. Shout out to Tyler Hero, by the way. A huge game-winning shot today against the Sacramento Kings. That's another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, though, presented by NBA 2K23. If you don't need to have your copy, make sure you go and hit the link in our description to go and get your copy of the game. BJ and I will be back very soon with more for all of you guys. So don't go anywhere. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating, leaving a review on the Apple Podcast app goes a big way to helping this show grow. We appreciate each and every one of you. And shout out to the Toronto Raptors as well. OG has been absolutely a monster on defense. Him, Precious, Scotty doing their thing. Siakam is putting up MVP caliber numbers. Like once mm. in Toronto, we're going to have to dive in. Did you say them. MVP caliber? You said MVP yeah. caliber numbers? Yeah, wow. Siakam has been on a tear. Siakam mm. has been on a tear. I mean, I'm not saying he's an mm. he's an MVP for me, but what I'm saying is, if you just looked at the numbers, what did he have tonight? He had 22, 10, and 11 in three quarters of play. Before that, he had 31, 12, and 6. 26, 10, and 6. 20, 13, and 5. 23, 9, and 6. 2, and 2. 23, 8, and 9. 37, 12, and 11. 23, and 11. 
you know, he's been putting in work. I like mm. what Spicy P's doing. I like what the rappers are doing. We're going to talk about all of that more, so don't miss a beat. And of course, I'm sure the Lakers will pop up and we'll see how the Nets play with those. <laughs> but don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss any of that. We're back better than ever. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Your favorite podcast is favorite podcast. So until next time, you know the vibes. Get buckets.